The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. On tonight's episode of Bench with Bubba, I'll be joined by Brandon Myers of Razball.com to talk about some fantasy football, deeper wide receivers, talking ADPs 21 and beyond, and some deep deep sleepers but before we do so let me talk to you about a great new website called the quant edge i got some buddies that work over there it's not the only reason why i'm liking this it is phenomenal phenomenal stuff if you're playing dfs if you're playing season long this is the way to do it no more getting crushed by the pros with the quantedge.com you'll have the tools you need to play like a pro they have an amazing lineup optimizer up to 150 lineups you can customize any way you like it they have an awesome injury tool. They have wide receiver cornerback matchups. They have a head-to-head tool, which is one of the best things I've ever seen. And you'll be armed with everything you need to win. You can make up to 150 lineups in seconds. Get a true understanding of players' value. See the week's matchups to exploit. And compare two players to help you make the decision you are on the fence about at thequantedge.com. It doesn't stop with groundbreaking tools with 10 industry experts on staff. You also get exclusive access to over 20 betting and fantasy articles and podcasts a week. And can join the TQE community by participating in the premium membership chat. They have tons of stuff there, guys. It's a great, great deal. Articles, podcasts, betting, DFS, season long. They have it all. And we at Benched with Bubba have a special deal for you, for our loyal listeners. Use promo code BENCHED, B-E-N-C-H-E-D. And you get 15% off the season-long subscription. But you have to act fast as this deal ends this Friday, August 23rd. So go check it out. Remember, use promo code BENCHED, B-E-N-C-H-E-D. Great way to do it. And go to thequantedge.com to sign up today. Now to today's edition of Benched with Bubba. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode 116, another fantasy football episode. Going to take a deeper dive into the wide receiver core after doing the 1 through 20 last week. And in order to do so, I have a special guest. You've heard him on my baseball part of Benched with Bubba. 
He has moved to Razball.com with the Ditka Sausage and Fantasy Sports Pod. You can find him on Twitter at Ditka Sausage Pod. Brandon, how are we doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on to talk some wide receivers tonight. Um, yeah, I'm over at Razball doing the podcast, doing writing for baseball and football. I've started to look ahead towards 2019 for some of my baseball stuff as the season wraps up. And, you know, a lot of rosters are, are pretty set. So plenty of people taking care of this year over there. So I'm, I'm taking a look at next season for some some of the people that are out of it. And then, you know, just full go on football. It's draft season. Yeah, it's crazy. And you mentioned baseball, and that's my passion, so I have no problem talking baseball at all, ever. Um, and I just wrapped up my Around the Bases pod before this, and we talked about six or seven fantasy guys towards the end and kind of thinking about 2019. And a guy from a new member of my website just wrote about Trevor Story for 2019. So, yeah, it's crazy that you think about it so fast, but that's the world we live in. If you're not already looking ahead to the next year, you're going to be in trouble. You're going to be lost. But um, you said it. It is draft season, and – as much as I love baseball, football's great and all. I, I hate how football overtakes the world this time of year, but <laughs> that's the world we live in, Brandon. So it um, it, we, there's no way around it. Um, before we dig into the wide receivers, why don't you let everybody know for, if they miss the first time you're on or for some reason they're not following you, what do you guys do on the Ditka Sausage and Fantasy Pod? So the baseball show is looking at profiles. We do a pitcher profile each week. It's a it's generally a matchup. And then we also try and look at a hitter or some other player. This this next week we're actually gonna look at a, a relief pitcher or two. So we do a deep dive on them, kind of look at everything, go back and look at how they've done the season. If they've been around for a while, we'll go back and compare, you know, previous seasons, see if they've made any changes. And then this year on the football show, we started off with a lot of rookie profiles. And now we're moving into some of the rankings disputes. We've gotten quarterbacks, tight ends, and running backs out there. We're going through the rankings and highlighting a few guys as we go through. Again, more of a profile type of show. We're still going to give you the normal news, notes, injury stuff at, through the season. But really, the the thing that we do is is deep dive on a few guys each each show. And you guys do a really good job about uh, with that. I, I've I remember listening to some of your other episodes, and you guys do really, really good work. So everybody go check that out. Uh, Brandon's been on the show before, and his co-host has been on the show before, one donkey teeth. So uh, check it all out. Really good stuff there. Let's Before we do the wide receiver, I have one one question, because preseason week two, there's a lot of things we could talk about. Neither one of us are that well up to date on it, so I don't want to talk about it anyways because it really doesn't matter. Um, Adrian Peterson, though somehow has found a like seventh life as a cat and he comes to Washington and you know, it's a, it's a place where some careers might just go to die. It might be a new thing. Um, Alex Smith might handle the ball off. We don't know with the Darius Geis injury. Um, Chris Thompson still not feeling great. CJ or uh, Samaji P Ryan, Samaji P Ryan and Mr. Kelly is Mr. Kelly. What are you expecting from Adrian Peterson? Yeah. And P Ryan's banged up now too. So there's there's an opportunity here for Adrian Peterson. I'm kind of expecting him just to go in there and compete with Fat Rob for that, you know, first, second, and goal line work. I'm not expecting big things from him. There's there's the potential. I mean, it's Adrian Peterson. He's a he's a freak athlete. Just just don't think it's there from what we saw last year. I will say I did take a a shot on him in the tenth round. It was a slow draft um, with. Um, 
Roto One here at Razball and Friends with Benefits and uh, I think a few other places. But I got him at 112 overall, just taking the flyer. I actually picked Des Bryant as my last pick in that. It's a very shallow league or shallow rosters. So I'm just taking flyers on guys that might hit. And, you know, if if the season starts and neither of them are showing anything, if Des hasn't signed, I mean, that's still a potential, I guess. Then I'll just cut them loose and grab whatever's next on the wire. No, I like I like how you preface that at the end there. It's just if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Because that's why I wanted to ask you about AP is where would you look at him? Because everyone laughed last year. And when he was the every down back for Arizona, sure, might be a completely different offense than we'll see in Washington. He was a workhorse. They gave him the rock a ton. He wasn't like a top-notch running back, but he had some big-time upside, at least, you know, probably running back two upside. You get him late in a draft, maybe he has a couple good weeks. You can trade him. You can drop him. Are you – like, you know, you said you said you took some chances in, in Roto One's um, draft. Would you be interested in a lot of drafts if he falls to the right spot? It's going to be about value with AP. I, again, I don't think he's going to be a workhorse. There's that that potential, but I'm just not betting on it. I'm probably looking at him around somewhere in the like 25 to 30 of of running backs, somewhere around those those time split guys. Some of the, you know, you get Mark Ingram who's suspended. You get the whole New England crew that who knows what to do there. So it's it's in that group for me. Okay. That's kind of what I was thinking. I just wanted to get another person's opinion on it because when I came out with it the other day on Twitter, it was met with some different reactions. So I wanted to, <laughs> to put some feelers out there. Cause I, like you said, what can it hurt if he's there and the value's there? It's honestly, I'd almost rather take a chance on AP than fat Rob. That's just the way I look at it. But um, they're both a mess regardless. Yeah. What's the, I mean, what's the upside shot on fat Rob? I mean, 800, maybe if he money. gets the, Every single carry through the season, other than Chris Thompson's catches, that's that's pretty minimal in the grand scheme of things. If you're having to run him out there every week to get that cumulative 800, and not just you know big games where is which is what you need. It's it's a week to week game here in football. Yeah, and the way I look at it is when Chris Thompson comes back when he's deemed healthy and feels healthy, and maybe he never does. It's maybe it's mental the whole time. He's never gonna to feel that way. But if he does. I think he becomes that every down back. He's. I think they'd rather use him in the every down role than just the receiving role over Fat Rob. So, or at least, or at least like sixty to seventy percent of the offense instead of you know just the receiving. So, we'll see. You never know what Gruden's going to do there in Washington, and hopefully, it just means Alex Smith throws it to Jamison Crowder over and over and over again. But we shall see. Uh, let's go talk some wide receivers. We did uh, one through twenty last episode with Fighting Chance Ryan. We're going to deep dive, hopefully get through 21 through 50, maybe throw some flyers out there and some other fun stuff. When you look at 21 through 25, uh, we're going off again, Fantasy Pros ADP at this moment. It's Allen Robinson, Josh Gordon, Golden Tate, Alshon Jeffrey, Marvin Jones. Allen Robinson, Chicago, we got that. I think we actually hit on him last week. What I want to ask you is Josh Gordon has reported to camp. They're saying um, – he still has to earn the right to start. I think that's a lot of coach speak to get him motivated. When he's healthy, when he's ready, he should be in that starting lineup. Now that he's there, we know he's a physical specimen. How are you approaching Josh Gordon this year? So the way that I generally approach the draft is, I know you're not supposed to get tied up in having draft plans and everything, but I'm a running back first type of guy. I want to get at least a running back in those first two rounds, if not two within the first three so Josh Gordon is kind of that perfect type of wide receiver for me to take as a running back heavy guy. The upside is huge. 
And as I mentioned earlier, with Josh Gordon, we know it's about the mental side of things. If that falls apart, he's going to get suspended. He's going to get kicked out of the league. He's going to be off the Browns. Something bad's going to happen. You're going to be able to move on. Whereas if you take, you know, Golden Tate and you're just waiting for him to get the receptions and, and finally score for you, maybe get in the end zone, maybe not, you're holding on to him all season. So in in that kind of draft philosophy, I really like Josh Gordon as a flyer. You know, if if you're banking on him in a deeper league or, you know, that that may get a little more difficult because then when you lose that production, there's nothing to go ch- grab off the wire. So the deeper you go, the less Josh Gordon appeals to me because of that added, you know, mental risk. How about yourself? Yeah. No, I agree because we know the mental side of things and, and everything reported obviously should be great this time of year. It looks great. And if he really is all cleaned up and fixed and things are good, he has wide receiver one maximum upside, like you're saying. He's that guy to start with when you do uh, running back heavy early. There's always that question. And they're, you know, what's your thoughts there when you see uh, Njoku? Looks like he might have a bigger role in the offense. You have uh, Jarvis Landry, who knows a PPR gold mine. You're going to maybe switch quarterbacks midseason, so the comfort level with different guys. Does that concern you at all? Like, is there, Do you think there's an, enough balls? Because Duke Johnson, also a major factor in the passing game. Does that bother you at all when it comes to Josh Gordon? I don't because I think Josh Gordon is the best of all the guys we've listed if we're just talking athleticism. Yeah. Landry obviously has the route running on him, but with Gordon's natural abilities, he doesn't need it. So I still think Gordon, what he does is going to be the big plays. They're just going to toss it to him. It's the Browns. So I still assume that they're going to be playing from behind a lot. I know they've done a lot of positive things to bolster their roster, but bolstering the Cleveland Browns roster does not necessarily mean that the institution that is the Cleveland Browns has been fixed. That is so true. There's always going to be that little uh, crooked halo above the Cleveland Browns (laughs) (laughs) of despair. Um, Let's talk about a couple other guys here. Golden Tate and Marvin Jones, teammates, they're going 23 and 25, respectively, at the wide receiver position. Um, they both kind of bring different aspects to the game. Marvin Jones kind of seems at a little, you know, big play upside, Golden Tate more possession, but they both have – they can both switch roles if they have to. And then, you know, we'll throw him in there. Kenny Galladay is another fearsome force. Some people want to, uh, you know, name him the next Megatron in Detroit – they're, they're running a lot of three-wide sets all you know in this offense in general, and in preseason they're doing it a ton, and it's kind of concerning people. How do you look? Just Let's just lump it together. How do you look at those three receivers in Detroit? So I think these guys these guys are going to have to fall to the right value for me to take them. I'm not reaching for, the, for any of these guys. Uh, Golden Tate gets a bump in PPR leagues. I think that he's still going to maintain his underneath role. You know, they, they still don't have a tight end to take any of that target share away from him. Marvin Jones, I recognize what he did last year. I think from an athleticism and general receiver skill standpoint, we probably underestimate him. But I also believe that last year was a bit of a uh, performing over his head situation. And I'm just not overly excited about owning him again. I, I, I recognize that I'm probably underestimating him slightly. I just think the upside is very limited. You already mentioned Galladay's coming in, and there was buzz on him last year. I I really like the skill set that he has. You just have to see if they're willing to really incorporate him in the offense, if Stafford's willing to look at him maybe more than anything, because 
you know, I think he's basically a, a better version of Marvin Jones. So th- there's that definite possibility mm-hmm. that somebody's losing some targets, and I don't think it's Golden Day. I think it's going to be Marvin Jones, if anybody. Yeah, you, so you got Marvin Jones, like I said, 25. Golden Day's 23. Looking at Fantasy Pros right now, Kenny Galladay's going 54th at the wide receiver position. Out of everything you just said there, would you just rather – wait and get a piece of Kenny Galladay later and leave those other two alone? Because in reality, I think you might at least agree on this much. The Detroit offense should still be pretty dynamic. Uh, Matt Stafford is going to throw it around. They're going to get their offense. Um, so someone's going to get it. But with those three kind of sharing what could be equal roles at time, it could be very difficult. Yeah, I completely agree with that statement. And, you know, it, again, if, if Tate or Jones is going to fall, if people are going to – be down on them because of that target share. I'll I'll go ahead and pick them up. I have no problem with owning them, but uh, I'm not not too excited about it. And it's it's a bit of a confusing situation because of that addition of Galladay. So I am probably leaning towards just rather having a few late shares in him and and seeing how he pans out. All right, let's go to Philadelphia. We got Alshon Jeffrey at 24 right now. He's barely practicing on a side field. It, if you believe in medical reports this time of year. It's going to be hard to believe he'll be ready to go full go at the beginning of the year. And then you got uh, Nelson Aguilar. He's all the way down at 44th ADP at wide receiver. And we saw him when he had his chances last year be very, very good. We know how good he was at USC. This guy seems like he could be the real deal. How do you look at Alshon Jeffrey and Nelson Aguilar in this Philadelphia offense that, yes, they were dominant last year, but Wentz is a question mark right now. You still have Ertz to deal with. How do you look at this situation? Alshon is a bit of a weak spot for me as a as a Bears fan. I've always been an Alshon supporter, but the injuries and, and games played are definite concerns. He has played 16 games a couple times, uh, three times in his, I think, six seasons so far. So he plays a little bit more than people give him credit for. That being said, we know he's already coming in the, the season with injuries. He's not getting acclimated to the Eagles offense further we know that he had a little bit of time last year but really that's what the the hope for Alshon was that he would come in this season maybe he'd be ready for training camp and be able to really get some uh, rapport built with Carson Wentz uh, assuming that he was going to be back and Wentz has been fine but Alshon's still still behind schedule I like the upside shot on Alshon I, I think he can be a you know borderline number one even uh, with that offense but you're definitely taking on that injury risk. Again, it, it depends a bit on the build of your team. I like taking the shot on a, a high upside receiver that's going as late as he's going in drafts because you can fill in behind him if you especially have an IR spot that you can throw him in. Then you can go grab somebody off the waiver that you wanted to grab out off of free agency uh, week one when when they make that move or you know whenever they put him on if they decide he's going to start on the pup list. That would be that would be terrible. I don't want to see that. But they've already come out and said that they don't think he's going to be there. It does sound like he's more than likely missing week one and, and probably a couple of weeks off the start. So you just have to kind of plan for that. I like to plan for the playoffs. I, there's a lot of you know random stuff that happens in football. So give me the best roster I can build for the playoffs, and Alshon can be part of that once he's back and healthy. I like that. Um, when you're looking at a guy like Alshon Jeffrey, some guys around that point maybe going a little bit ahead of him at the wide receiver position that, you know, just on paper, just on the way they play, 
kind of have some similarities. You got Allen Robinson in Chicago, maybe even Demarius Thomas, just kind of the their their way they they play their position. How would you look at those three guys together? So right now I have uh, I have Alshon pushed down a little because of the injury. I have Allen Robinson at sixteen and Demarius Thomas at nineteen. I have Robinson. Demarius and Alshon all in three different tiers at this point. I know those those ranks aren't that far apart, but you know there's there's kind of a grouping of you know Larry Fitzgerald, Allen Robinson, Tyreek, well Josh Gordon, just high upside, and then Larry Fitzgerald just consistency. Mm-hmm. And you drop to like Amari Cooper, Demarius Thomas, Brandon Cooks, and Golden Tate, where there's definite concerns about the target share maybe some of the the skills there. And then you get to kind of Alshon and the next tier where he would be up another one, but the injury concerns coming in the season definitely have to move him down. And even there, he he may be too high, just depending on on the reports that we continue to get. Okay. Let's go 26 to 30. We got Corey Davis, Michael Crabtree, Chris Hogan, Will Fuller, and Sammy Watkins. Um, many wanted Corey Davis to be the guy last year. It never really happened. Uh, everyone's expecting the Tennessee offense to just take a big old leap with with the new system in place there. Are you buying into Corey Davis this early? You know, I'm probably not buying into Corey Davis this early. I'm a little scared of what this offense is going to end up looking like. There's a lot of pieces that are, you know, going to be featured in new roles, basically. So, Mariota is going to be taking over a new offense. I'm not sure how he's going to be picking up a new offense. I don't necessarily believe that he's um, a cerebral enough quarterback to pick it up just right off the bat, but we'll see about that. Deion Lewis and Derrick Henry are going to be splitting work. You know, the first time Henry is going to get a shot, and now they bring in Deion Lewis, who I actually think is a better running back if we're just looking at the overall skill set. Henry is going to have his role, but – and then we have Corey Davis, who I love the film on. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a monster. I think he's definitely a future number one for the Titans. I just don't know if it's going to be a fantasy number one. It, he might be a better real-life player than, than fantasy-wise. Yeah, I agree. I, we saw him have so many chances and drop passes. and I love the, the take on the running back situation. Um, so it, it'll be really interesting to see how that all plays out. Let's go to Michael Crabtree. You know, he's had some success with Oakland, goes to Baltimore now with Mr. Elite himself, Joe Flacco. And, you know, it's a mixed bag depending on where you look on who likes this guy. Uh, What's your thoughts on Crabtree this year? Because with Flacco, he's always liked his tight end. Crabtree can run those short routes. Maybe he could still have a little something there. I think there's a chance that he comes in and takes a, a good role here. But the problem is the Ravens offense is just so lackluster. You already mentioned how bad Flacco is. Um, in the last podcast we did, we were previewing Alex Collins. So we went back and watched all that film and Flacco's missing dump off passes, five yard dump off passes by yards. I mean, there's no chance that any, anybody can get to these balls that he's throwing. So, I just have a little bit of of hesitation with any Baltimore receiver. There's usually an 800 to a thousand yard receiver there in Baltimore, but season to season telling me, telling me who it is. I I have no idea. And with just the whole new receiver core there, it's anybody's guess, honestly. Yeah. I I don't understand. I see some guys that are like planting their flag on Crabtree. 
I just can't figure it out. That offense just isn't one. Like the old days, it was take their tight end and move along. I love Alex Collins. I'm uh, a big fan of what he can bring to that table. But uh, until Lamar Jackson's back there, I'm really kind of wondering what they're going to do. Let's talk uh, Chris Hogan of the New England Patriots. He's going 28th overall right now at the wide receiver position when Julian Edelman is going 31. We'll kind of lump them together here. Julian Edelman obviously suspended for four games. We know what he can do in that offense. Chris Hogan is still a very good receiver that Tom Brady loves in the red zone. And people are acting like, well, he's only going to be good for four weeks. I think he can be good all season. How do you look at Chris Hogan and Julian Edelman in this Patriots offense? So I take all Patriots wide receivers with a with a slight grain of salt because you know that Brady's going to spread the ball around. Gronk's going to be a big, huge red zone threat. So there's there's certainly some limitations on any New England receivers. That being said, it's a high-powered offense, and you get one of the greatest, if not the greatest, quarterback of all time throwing to him. So there's definitely same things to like. Hogan had five touchdowns last year in his the first five games. You know, you already mentioned he's he's been a had a nose for the red zone despite Gronk being around. There's nobody else there. I mean, I think definitely for those first few weeks he's a must start. But I'm with you that even once Edelman comes back, Hogan's gonna have a role in this offense. I, I think it probably takes a small hit when Edelman comes back, but Edelman himself is no picture of health. And he's coming off that ACL. Who knows if he's actually the Edelman we, we remember. You know, it's it came it's come down to uh, Alshon and Edelman for me a few times as far as my risk-reward injury receiver. And I keep going to Alshon. I just think the skill set's a lot better. He's not coming off of an ACL injury, which has just destroyed so many careers. Plus, the touchdowns have never been there for Edelman. Yeah, it's true. The touchdowns is a big factor. When you have Edelman, you rely on the PPR league where you're going to get like nine catches and like 75 yards, maybe 100 yards. That's what you're looking for. So uh, I agree with that completely. I like Hogan a lot. We saw like he should at the beginning of the year last year, then again in the playoffs, uh, maybe because Edelman was out, but still a lot to like there. And then a good point you mentioned, Edelman's coming off the ACL and a guy that takes slant routes and cuts a lot underneath, that's a, a kind of – got to wonder how, how it's going to hold up coming straight back from that definitely and will he would be willing to to do the run after catches as aggressively as he has in the past or is he going to be you know ducking down and and losing some of those yards i mean every yard counts with those ppr guys no doubt about it um one that really really confuses me he's going 29th overall right now at the wide receiver position is will fuller Uh, all i do is catch touchdowns will fuller and, yes, it was great when Deshaun Watson was there. He went out. We know it kind of disappeared. Deshaun's back, and everyone's swearing that Will Fuller's going to be the next big thing in uh, Houston. People forget DeAndre Hopkins still out there on the field. is going to get quite a workload himself. What are your thoughts on Will Fuller? Because I can't, can't grasp this guy being a, a wide receiver, too. I think I might have lost. What was that? I think I lost you for a second. Oh, sorry. Um, Will Fuller going 29th overall. What's your thoughts on him? Because everybody loves him. They loved him with Deshaun Watson. Now he's back. And uh, I can't wrap my head about around him being a wide receiver too. So I, I get it watching Deshaun Watson tape because we, we profiled him. Man, Will Fuller has some amazing plays, but it's going to be a boom or, bust, boom or bust guy with injury risk. I mean, he's had hamstring, knee, clavicle, rib, the knee again. When he's on the field, he does bring that big play threat, but there's also, 
you know, that, that other guy on the, across the field, taking a lot of those too. So uh, he's going in this area. I'm fine with him being drafted around here because of those big plays. But I think it's kind of like owning Deshaun Jackson when he was going right. You're just going to have to deal with it. You're going to start him every week. Just know that some weeks you're going to get two points and some weeks he's going to win you the week. And that's just kind of play you're getting. If that's what you want from your wide receiver too, that's fine. If you're looking for something consistent, something that's going to give you seven to ten points every week, Will Fuller is not your guy. Yeah, when, when I think of a guy like Will Fuller, A, uh, the cheap way to answer this is he's a best ball wide receiver. That's the <laughs> kind of guy you want there. Um, or say you go get like a Larry Fitzgerald or someone that's just reliable that's going to – or a Keenan Allen or someone you know that's going to get you that consistent production week in, week out. Okay, now you can go take the chance on your wide receiver too and see what happens. Yeah, definitely. That's that's a great way to look at it. Uh, let's go to Sammy Watkins getting a new home now in Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes sitting there at the quarterback position. Everyone's raving that Sammy Watkins is going to be this PPR machine. There is Sammy Watkins everything people want him to be. I've never seen a more skilled journeyman in football history it's such a gentleman way to say that (laughs) (laughs) that's a nice way of saying i a very talented guy that has underperformed yes (laughs) but he still is only 25 years old i I don't know maybe he finally found the right offense but we always say that about him we're like oh now he's gonna be the guy and now he can he can finally bloom and then it goes on and oh no he's gonna be the number two so it's fine like he's not going to have the best corners. He's not going to have the safety coverage. It, it's it's going to be a bit of a mystery. And I'm honestly a little bit hesitant on the entire Kansas City offense as he just they lost their coordinator Nagy. He's he's at the Bears right okay. now. And then there's Watkins. I, mean, I don't know how he fits in with Kelsey there. Hill already has his role. Hunt's there. They're talking about using Ware as well. And I assume. There's going to be some two running back sets with Hunt and Ware both out there. So where does Watkins fit into this? It's it's an it's a talent shot. I usually like those. But when we've seen the talent fail for four seasons in a row and he keeps jumping from team to team, that has to count for something. Just the, the mental capacity or his ability to run the the correct plays. There's there's something wrong with what's going on there with Sammy Watkins. Yeah, like you you have to kind of think if he couldn't fit in that high-powered Rams offense last year, how is coming over to a new team in Kansas City with a whole new system with tons of talent there already, it's going to be hard to get that niche in there to kind of to find his role. But I don't know. Some people are super high on him. I guess we'll see. This will be one of those kind of Mason-Dixon line things. Let's go 31 through 35. We already talked Julian Edelman. We got Robert Woods, Devin Funches, Marquise Goodwin, and Pierre Garçon, Peter Waiter at number 35. Uh, we talked Edelman. Robert Woods, speaking of those Los Angeles Rams, you got Cooper Cup, who's coming up at uh, 37. Robert Woods at 32, surprisingly. They have a very, very talented offense yet again this year. How do you look at the Woods and the Cups? and the? Let's just talk about the Rams receiving core in general. Yeah, the the Rams are another one where I'm kind of expecting them to take a a bit of a drop-off. They kind of caught the whole league by storm last year, and I just don't think anybody really had had prepped for the Rams like they're going to have to this season. And with the addition of Cooks, I I think everybody takes a bit of a hit. 
I don't think Robert Woods is just a guy. I think he showed us that last year and we were kind of concerned that that was the case with, with him in Buffalo. He never really shown anything, but again, it was Buffalo, you know, the, the whole offense as a, is just kind of a, a, you know, I, I think a lot of what Woods got was because there was the addition of Watkins who was picking up the playbook Cup was in and out of the lineup and kind of has his own limitations. So I think Cooks might take that number one role from Woods and, and take that that lion's share of the target. That's kind of the way I look at it. They, they paid Cooks for a reason, and I think they're going to let people know that. Uh, and you still have Gurley back there who's the machine of the whole operation. So let's just be real on how it all goes. Um, let's talk Devin Funches, Carolina Panthers. You got McCaffrey in the backfield. You got Cam Newton, Greg Olson is back. Uh, Funches showed signs of being that guy from time to time. Now it's time for him to be that guy. Going at uh, wide receiver 33, how's Devin Funches looking to you? I'm not a Funches believer. Uh, I just don't think he's a very good receiver. I think he's tall. I think he has his role in the offense. But I think he was also kind of the best in Carolina by default last season. We get the return of Olsen to the offense for the full season, the addition of DJ Moore, who I think is a better receiver than Devin. I think all of that is going to relegate Devin back to a lesser role where maybe he gets the occasional end zone look. He works on the outside and and just kind of uses his height when they need him. I don't really see him repeating what he did last season or, or building on that. If anything, I see him kind of falling back into obscurity. No, I agree. He's a, a talented guy. I think he's kind of a, I guess, a cheaper man's Will Fuller. That's how I look at him. He's going to have those couple good weeks where it's like, okay, you know, he's a red zone presence. He had like four catches for 75 yards and two scores. And you're like, oh, great, Devin Funches. And then the rest of the time he just lets it down. So, <laughs> Sounds about right. I, I got to interview him at their um, Super Bowl media day when they were here in San Francisco. And let's just say he was a rookie then out of Michigan. Nice kid. Didn't seem like all the faculties were there. <laughs> so uh, maybe too I many think, over I think the I know what you're laying down there. Yeah, just saying nice guy, but not all there. Um, let's talk about those San Francisco 49ers. Jimmy G in the house looked really good in week two. That's one of the few things I did see in week two. Looks really good. He played well last year, but like I'd remind people in the quarterback episode, really fantasy-wise wasn't that great. He just won games. Now, his, his go-to guy was Marquise Goodwin. My Pierre Garçon was injured. Pierre Garçon's kind of that you know possession guy. But so far in camp and preseason, Marquise and Jimmy G got a little bromance going on. So um, what are we thinking about Goodwin and Garcon with this uh, Niners offense? So I kind of, I kind of love Goodwin. We were on him last season as a, as a deep sleeper and as a pickup as the season wore on, you know, obviously fast as hell can run routes. Okay. And, and really runs tough with the ball for an undersized guy. We'll have to see how that Garcon return affects his target share. But you're right. I mean, it seems like Jimmy G and Goodwin had a bit of connection. Again, it might have been a by default scenario because there weren't a whole lot of options for for him uh, with Garcon out. But I think Garcon's going to end up taking kind of that that possession role, like you mentioned, and that upside that we saw from him last year, where he he started off pretty strong. I think that's probably out the window at this point. 
Yeah, I've always been a big Peter Waiter fan in PPR leagues, and I think his value is going to keep dropping. Like right now he's wide receiver 35. I know, hell, a couple weeks ago he was probably around 26, 27. He was up there. I think as Goodwin and, and Jimmy G's report keeps coming out, he's going to drop. Eventually Garcon will come into a value where I'm intrigued, but I'm with you right now. It's all about Marquise Goodwin. I played him a ton in the second half last year. I think this kid's super talented and uh, could be really big for this uh, Niners offense. Let's talk 36 through 40. We've got Emmanuel Sanders. We already talked Cooper Cup, Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, Jamison Crowder. Some interesting names here that at one time would have been much higher on this list, how age affects people. But uh, Emmanuel Sanders, new quarterback, Case Keenum, people are kind of – most people are kind of higher on this Denver offense because let's be real, couldn't get much worse than Paxton Lynch. So we have something to look forward to in Denver. What's your thoughts on Emmanuel Sanders? He's kind of a good possession guy, at least used to be. Yeah, I've always been a Manuel Sanders believer. I, I think that he's a very talented, you know, slot underneath guy. The yardage has fallen off the last four seasons running. That's got to be partially attributed to the offense, but also you you see the injuries are starting to pile up, and he may have just lost a little bit of a step. He doesn't look quite as quick on the field as he used to. Um, I'm not sure if he ever gets back to that thousand yard receiver again. I like the addition of Keenum. I think it helps them there. It couldn't really get any worse. But they also added Cortland Sutton, who I really like the college tape on. And I think that he's going to take a bit of the offense here. You know, I think Sutton got drafted behind guys that shouldn't he shouldn't have been. Um, but Sanders and Damaris are signed for the next two seasons. So you got to believe that the Broncos still want to factor them into the offense. I think Sanders is a better PPR play. I, I, I do believe that the yardage and the touchdowns are, are probably going to just continue to dwindle, though. Agreed. Uh, I agree. I think he's a PPR possession guy. Demarius is the, the guy in the end zone. But the upside guy you mentioned him is Cortland Sutton, currently the 74th wide receiver off the board, uh, 207 overall. So probably – not getting drafted in a lot of leagues. I think that's going to change in the coming weeks as he started to get that, you know, preseason buzz going about him. Uh, you mentioned him briefly. Are you looking to to take a flyer on him late in the draft or is he more of a, when the draft's over, you go build your watch list on your, uh, your draft, uh, your T league page. It definitely depends on the depth of the league. You know, I mentioned the, the league with Roto one. I mean, there's three bench spots on that one. There's no way that he's, he's draftable. Yeah. But when you get into kind of the 14-team the or the deeper bench 12-team leagues, any dynasty league, I think he definitely needs to be owned. Um, I'm definitely willing to take a flyer on him at the end of my drafts because, like I said, the skill set is as good as anybody else in this rookie class, in, including DJ Moore and Calvin Ridley. Excellent. Um, let's talk former Green Bay Packer, now Oakland Raider. Many are super high on Amari Cooper. We talked about him last week. You got Jordy Nelson. Some, re- some days reports come out that him and Derek Carr have this amazing rapport getting built, and he looks great, looks like the Jordy of old. And there's other days where it's like, okay, he's old. He's going to be an okay wide receiver too. Nothing special. You're getting him pretty late for a talent that you know could still blossom. What's your thoughts on a Jordy Nelson? So I have to admit I had him at number one wide receiver at some point last year in my rankings. Can't uh, hate that. At 
Hey, whenever he and Rogers stayed healthy for a full season, he was either number one or number two receiver every single year. So that that was my my thinking. But I also believe that it was Rogers who was keeping him relevant. He wasn't separating last season, and that started to fall off even you know a few seasons, two seasons ago. So while I had him had respect for him last year in that Packers offense with Rodgers. I really believe that losing the accuracy of Rodgers, I don't think Carr's the type of guy who's going to throw guys and let them, you know, get open for it. I think that he, you know, sees it and then throws it more often. I don't know that that's really going to going to sync with what Jordy Nelson does at this point in his career. We may see a couple of nice touchdown weeks or, or a few nice grabs early in the year, but I would probably take those as a sign to, to trade him off while you can and get some value out of him rather than something that's going to maintain throughout the season. Okay, in this little section right here, you got like Nelson, Cup, and Sanders. You you take those two guys over Nelson, or is it just you don't like Nelson at his position? I would probably go Sanders, Nelson, and then Cup. Okay. Um, in a PPR, I'd probably even move Cup over Jordy. Okay. We take this brief break from Bench with Bubba to let you know about Draft. Draft.com is a great way to play fantasy sports just the way you like it. Snake-style drafts, done in under five minutes. But right now, if you're listening to the NFL Bench with Bubba edition, you like best ball. Go play best ball. It is the best place to play best ball. It is Draft.com. Draft in your app store. But the coolest part about it, use promo code SD Sports when you check out and make your first deposit. You'll get entry into a free $3 tournament of your choice. It can be best ball. It can be for baseball, golf, hockey, you name it. They got it. But it's a great way to play best ball. It is a great way to play fantasy sports. Tons and tons of fun. And for best ball, they have amazing tournaments right now. They have a um, $250 one, a $25 one, a $5 one. So many tournaments. I tweeted out the other day they have a happy hour. that They, they have all kinds of giveaways. So go to draft.com, draft in your app store, promo code SD Sports when you check out for entry into a free $3 tournament. Now back to today's episode of Benched with Bubba. Let's talk about one of Jordy's former teammates, Randall Cobb. Devontae Adams is the guy there right now. We know Randall Cobb can get stuff done. He's always seems to be battling injuries. Um, when Devontae's out and Cobb's healthy, he's been great. Uh, so many, like you said with New England earlier, there's a lot to be said about Rodgers just passing it everywhere. Uh, he's got Jimmy Graham there. John Romel Allison's coming on. How do you look at a guy like Randall Cobb in this offense? So I think Cobb is a guy who's lost a, a bit of a step as well. Steps into that number two wide receiver role, assuming that you know he doesn't get overtaken now. Um, but Jordy out of town, it, it should open up the offense for him. But I really believe that you know the the Packers are ready to move on from Cobb. They signed four receivers out of the draft. They they have Geronimo Allison there. So I, I think his time is, is coming to an end. I still think he has the playmaking ability, and it is a friendly offense with you know, the second-best quarterback in the league throwing to him. But the injury and the inconsistencies are, are why he's pushed down this, this far. There's a few guys behind him uh, ADP-wise that I'd rather take a shot on. But you know, just because of the offense, I do think it still makes Cobb an interesting, you know, flyer guy in this area. Yeah, one guy, for instance, I'd be willing to take a try on is number 40 here, Jamison Crowder. When Crowder's been healthy in Washington, I know it's a new quarterback, but the offense is the same. 
And I, I think he's had a, a phenomenal role there. What's your thoughts on Jamison Crowder this year? I think he's a, a PPR monster with Alex Smith in the making. I mean, we know that that's where Alex spends his time is underneath throwing to the slot guy, and that's what Crowder is going to do for him. I do think that the touchdowns were a bit fluky in 2016. You don't normally get those small slot receivers with seven touchdowns. So, again, a, a more of a PPR play for me, but I think the offense is going to be tailored towards Crowder and and Reed while he's healthy and then Vernon Davis when he steps in. All right, let's go 41 through 50. You got Robbie Anderson, Devontae Parker, Nelson Aguilar, Kelvin Benjamin, Sterling Shepard, Calvin Ridley, DJ Moore, Alan Hearns, Kenny Steeles, and one Des Bryant. People are taking 50th overall at the wide receiver position. Um, a lot of interesting names here, and there are some here. I definitely would take over Randall Cobb, like you mentioned. Um, let's just assume Robbie Anderson doesn't get in trouble and there's no suspension, which as of now there's nothing. He did make a lot of big bonehead mistakes, but at the moment he's playing football. Um, if all things considered, I think he's better than wide receiver 41. I know the quarterback situation is suspect in, in, with the Jets, but what are your thoughts on uh, Robbie Anderson? Because we saw him ball out last year at times. Yeah, we did, and I do think he's a, a talented receiver. It's just he's stuck in an awful situation. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, the, the Jets have just gone from bad to worse, and it just continues to go go down and down. Um, you know, I actually do like Sam Darnold there, so – Maybe if, if he gets in there, there's a little bit of upside, a little bit that he can build uh, some rapport. But, you know, I don't know if it's Bridgewater or McCown or Darnold or who's going to be there for the Jets. And, you know, they, they really haven't had much of an offensive threat in years. I think Robbie Anderson, again, is very talented, but – there's a reason he's down here in this level. I think you're right. I would take him over Randall Cobb, who we mentioned. I, I may even be looking at him over Jordy and, and Cup, but uh, you know, the, I think the upside is definitely limited just because of the quarterback situation, just the offense as a whole. Yeah, let's go to uh, Kelvin Benjamin in the new offense in Buffalo, looking like uh, Mister Gunslinger is going to be starting out there as. Nate Peterman's a mess, and um, uh, what you want to call it, A.J. McCarron got hurt. So it looks like we're seeing um, the rookie going to start there. Kelvin Benjamin, is he worth a grab this late? Josh Allen, that is. Yeah, no, I've always liked Kelvin. Um, he, I'm a bit biased as a Seminoles fan, so there may be something to that, but I've always thought that he has a, a role that – he could be a very solid red zone threat possession, you know, big guy in an offense. The concerns about the quarterback and O-line are definitely legitimate with Josh Allen. It does sound like McCarron may be able to come back for the start of the season because I really don't think they want to start Josh Allen right off the bat, and I don't think they should. If anything, they may need to bring in a veteran because I really don't think Josh Allen is, is prepared for the spotlight. If it is Allen – I don't think he's scared to throw the ball and just chuck it around the yard. It's going to be bad for the offense, but for Kelvin, it could end up working out a little bit. I think he's he's one of those guys that you can grab late and maybe a, maybe a best ball target where he might come down with a couple just massive touchdowns because Josh Allen is just chucking the ball as, as the Bills play from behind. Yeah, th- this is one of those – 
garbage time receivers. I think Kelvin Benjamin could be a, a very interesting <laughs> garbage time receiver. The only the weird part is Buffalo's defense is usually pretty good. They have a lot of guys returning. So unless there's pick sixes out there, they could still keep it tight. This could re- be one of those years where it's like a lot of 10 to 6 football games and stuff for Buffalo. But um, yeah, Kel- Kelvin is a very interesting situation. Let's talk Sterling Shepard. This is a guy that I'm very intrigued with. You get him like 45th wide receiver off the board right now. I know there's tons of options there in New York. You got Odell. You got Ingram at uh, tight end. You got Saquon back there now. Shepard's very, very good. We've seen signs of it when healthy. I think this is kind of a good value at 45, but what's your thoughts on uh, Sterling Shepard? I agree with your your talent evaluation. I liked what I saw last year coming out of college. I was – pumping this guy last year to anybody who I, who would listen to me. And it, it kind of paid off because of the whole Beckham injury, but there are some concerns. I think that the giants are going to want to run more with the addition of Saquon. Why wouldn't you with that kind of monster back there and the return of Odell? We know that that's where Eli is just going to lean. He's, he's always had that tendency to lean on his, his primary receiver. I think Shepard has a role in the offense, but you know, I just don't see him him really taking a, a step forward this season, um, which is a shame because because as you mentioned, the talent is is really nice. Yeah, he's one of those that uh, if Odell gets hurt, someone better run and grab him <laughs> as soon as possible. Yeah, that's almost what you're doing with with Shepard is you're banking on the talent and maybe there's some playing time that comes available. Yeah, now let's talk about a rookie and Calvin Ridley went early to the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, to go opposite of one Julio Jones. The offense sputtered a lot last year compared to what people were used to. Julio is still a monster. Uh, people love Calvin. I just can't wrap my head around taking him, especially at wide receiver 46. What's your thoughts on Calvin Ridley? I think that's probably too early for me as well. I could see him having some nice games. Uh, I think, again, maybe a best ball play type of play or a DFS play but I don't expect him to have a ton of fantasy relevance this year. Julio always takes the lion's share of targets in that offense. I don't care who the offensive coordinator is. Matt Ryan is is locking on. If he gets in trouble, that's where he's bailing out to. So the the upside on anybody else in Atlanta is like 700, 800 yards and, and a handful of touchdowns. I mean, Julio doesn't even get that many touchdowns, so I really don't expect anybody else to come in and uh, and take those. Sanu's still there, and he has the familiarity with the offense. I think Ridley's a nice play down the road. I think he's the number two, number three dynasty wide receiver off of rookie drafts, but as far as this season, I'm fine not having him on my roster, honestly. Another big rookie wide receiver that uh, people are kind of raving about in fantasy, and I can see the appeal here, is DJ Moore with Carolina. I think uh, he could be a nice release valve if McCaffrey's not available for Cam Newton. What are you looking at here with DJ Moore going 48th overall? Yeah, this is the rookie wide receiver I want if I'm taking a shot in this range. I think his chances of breaking out are significantly higher than Ridley and actually like the film in college better. Um, I don't believe that Devin Funches is a great receiver, as we already mentioned, and I think Moore is a cleaner route runner, has better hands, and nice after the playability. And that's something that this offense has been desperately missing since Steve Smith left. 
Still always the question with the number of touchdowns for anyone in this offense, the way that Cam does his work near the goal line. But again, down here in this area, I think DJ Moore is worth a shot. I think he could take over as the number one receiver there, um, you know, other than Olsen, because Olsen, Olsen is Cam's favorite target. Like we we talked about kind of PPR plays and PPR goal, and DJ Moore seems like he could be that guy with some touchdown upside. How do you compare like a DJ Moore to, I know it's kind of a little ways up there, but like a Jamison Crowder? I actually think that that's probably a good comparison. I think Moore actually might be more talented than Crowder. Um, I think that the biggest thing is that we've seen that Crowder and that offense has, has found some touchdowns. And I'm just not sure that that's ever there for any receivers in, in Carolina. True. Very good point there. Let's go to Dallas where it's a question mark. What's going to happen. You have Cole Beasley, you got some rookies in town. You got Alan Hearns, who's going 49th overall right now. Dak Prescott, some people love him, some people hate him. How do you look at that Dallas receiving situation? I think that uh, whoever falls in drafts is worth a shot at the Dallas situation. Uh, nobody's really worth grabbing here. Hearns has shown some flashes in Jacksonville. He's always been a bit of a red zone threat, but they drafted Gallup, who I do like. There were others that I, I like better on tape as far as the rookies go, but he's fallen into just a dream scenario. Honestly, just take whoever falls. I'm fine with Terrence Williams, who has always been kind of the, the dump-off guy there for Dak once he's come in the league. Um, Hearns has a nice shot. I like Gallup if we're just going to be you know taking shots on guys in that offense. So I'm fine just kind of uh, picking whichever one drops to the bottom of the pile. All right, let's talk about a couple of Miami receivers. 42nd, Devontae Parker. 49th, Kenny Stills. Most people just want nothing to do with Devontae Parker. Some people claim Kenny Stills. It's his time, even though he's never proven a time. Um, I'm a Dolphins fan, and it hurts. It really does hurt watching or imagining what this season's going to play out like. Um, how do you look at Devontae Parker, Kenny Stills, or any of the Dolphins wide receivers? I pretty much look like Stills as I always have. He's he's kind of a big play threat with he's gonna and he's gonna have his games. Last year he had three games over seventy yards, and one of those was a hundred and eighty yard game. So it's a, it's not somebody that I want to trust week in, week out. If I need a bye week filler with some upside, something like that, I'm fine looking there. I've always been a Devontae Parker fan. And then he'll work out because he'll give up on routes. He'll be in the wrong spot. He causes turnovers, and he's just a, a general uh, knucklehead on, on the field. But if he could just ever get it together and get past that point of of idiocy, we could really be looking at a serious football player. I'd rather take the shot on Devontae Parker than Kenny Stills if we're doing it, just because I think that the skill set on on Parker is just – so much more, uh, so much more. I don't know. Uh, enticing. It, it, he was very talented at one point in time. It'd be nice if he found him <laughs> again. I'd be really, really happy. When they drafted him, I was pumped. But I'm still mad they let Jarvis Landry go. I loved Jarvis Landry, um, but that's another story for another day. Let's talk Des Bryant. Des Bryant is somehow still going 50th overall in drafts. Doesn't have a home. No one wants him yet. You have to imagine he's landing somewhere. But um, places are kind of shrinking up and settling down. You said you took him in Roto-Wands League. You said it's kind of a different scenario type league. If we're talking, say, a 12-team league, 
you know, normal size benches. How are you approaching Des Bryant? There's a point in the draft where I, I think that Des Bryant's skills are just that so that far superior to anybody else that's going to be drafted behind him that he's worth that shot. I don't know if this is necessarily the ADP is showing where I would take that shot. I think I might look for him to fall a little bit more in a, in a standard league. But again, it also in, in just kind of a standard 12 team league, you can go find guys off the wire. I mean, there's plenty of guys that I have that are late round sleepers. I think we'll get to those here in a little bit, but you know, there's plenty of guys after that, that I'm also comfortable taking the, the chance on. So if Des Bryant doesn't get a job or if I have to wait, that's okay with me. I know that he's maybe lost a step, maybe a step and a half, um, but he's still a physical presence on the field. And I think somebody's going to end up needing to take the shot on him just because they they lack the weapons that you need to compete. No, definitely. Uh, let's take a little step back here outside. We'll talk some late round sleepers. I'm just going to kind of throw some names out here. And if you have some other guys, feel free to fire off, but a lot of buzz out of uh, Chargers camp right now is Mike Williams. Are you buying this buzz? I kind of love Mike Williams. Um, he was the guy that I wanted in my drafts last season as my my rookie flyer for the Chargers. And, and I still like him, but, you know, we know that Keenan Allen is getting a ton of targets there. Tyrell's still there. Benjamin's still there. So it's always been hard for more than – you know, one receiver in that San Diego offense to really thrive. I, I think it's going to be a lot of boomer bust with Mike Williams. I think he's a fine flyer at the, the end of your draft, but I don't think he's much more than that. Uh, there's a lot of talk around a former Chicago Bears wide receiver, going to be the wide receiver two in New Orleans named Cam Meredith. Uh, any desire for this flyer or is this kind of like, no, not going to happen? I've kind of never understood the Cam Meredith love. He was the best There's receiver. It, there is. There was last year too, and I, <laughs> I couldn't understand it then. He was. I mean, he was the number one in Chicago by default, not because of earning it, not because of skills, not because of stats. There was nobody else. I, I think Michael Thomas is the guy. I think Ginn has his role, and if I'm taking a shot on anybody else in New Orleans, I think it's Traquan Smith. Ooh, I like it, throwing that out there. I think he got reps with the first team in, the line, in week one of the preseason for sure. I mean, yeah, I'm hearing a lot of talk about him. It's a good call there. Um, let's go to your dub Bears. Let's talk Anthony Miller. A lot of buzz around this guy. You've <laughs> obviously dug into your team a little bit more than others probably. What are we thinking with Anthony Miller? Is it all preseason buzz or is there something to like here? So I will – I've said this on my show – when there's optimism about the Bears offense, I, <laughs> I have to be pessimistic. Uh, I just have to be. There's I, Every time there's good buzz about the Bears offense, we have a terrible offensive season. I'm hoping this is the exception. Uh, I love Anthony Miller. I think he was a steal for us in the second round. Um, he's aggressive at the ball. He's always attacking it. You've probably seen the the play – that he goes up over the two guys, grabs the ball from both of them, double taps you know, the sidelines. I don't know that there's going to be enough passing in the offense. I know that Nagy's a lot more aggressive than Mr. John Fox, but 
There's Tariq Cohen, who's going to get a lot of run. There's Taylor Gabriel, who's going to run inside. We paid Trey Burton a ton of money to be our tight end, along with Jordan Howard, still going to get fed the ball. So I really like the skill set on Anthony Miller. I think he's worth a shot if the Bears offense is clicking. But again, I'm just pessimistic enough that I'm not sure if there's the the, the opportunity that Anthony Miller or the targets for Anthony Miller to become a, a true fantasy asset this season in your dynasty drafts though i love this kid nice um let's talk about a few more here and then i'll throw it your way for some shots uh geronimo allison is a popular one upon upon a lot of people you hear but reports are aaron Rodgers loves him aaron Rodgers talks about him in a lot of his interviews and i aaron Rodgers is a quarterback i listen to so if he likes the guy (laughs) there's something about him and he's He's going 195 overall, 71st receiver off the board. I got him late in a draft, 15-teamer the other day. What's your thoughts on Geronimo Allison? He's the third Packers wide receiver I'd take off the board. Um, But I actually like a number of the guys that the Packers drafted as well. I know Allison seems to have picked up the playbook a little bit. You've already mentioned that Rodgers likes him, and you definitely have to at least appreciate those those comments from Rodgers, whether that plays out in the season or not, you never know. Um, it seems like players are sometimes the worst people to get fantasy uh, news from because mm-hmm. what they see as I love this kid means that he's going to get the looks on third down when they need to pick up four yards, yeah. not the looks downfield that are going to get you 30 yards and a touchdown. Um, so I I like him. I, I'm fine taking a shot on him, you know, it is the Packers offense and there's certainly some opportunity if Cobb doesn't get healthy or if he's just going to be a shell of himself this season. But like I mentioned, I, there's a few Packers receivers that I like other than him. Um, we'll just, I'll just go ahead and name him here. I like Jamon Moore. just the, the tape on him. It, he kind of looks like a, another version of DJ Moore, honestly, for the, the Panthers, just aggressive at the point of, reception always getting after the ball good route runner i've heard that he struggled in camp just not really connecting with rogers maybe not really picking up the playbook i I think that might get worked out in time and then i also like marquez valdez scantling which may be the worst name to try and say i want to see that jersey (laughs) my god but I really like the the film on him, and he's fast as lightning. So even if he doesn't make the team as a receiver, he could probably make it on special teams, and then maybe he gets some opportunities later in the season. This These are guys you're probably not drafting, but put on your watch list, keep an eye on them, and if you see some news come out or if Cobb gets some news that he's not going to play or you know they're going to demote him to fourth the receiver, these are the, the guys that I'm looking at. I got one more to ask you about. There's a ton more we could talk about, so I'll ask you one and then fire off some that you like. Um, Christian Kirk at Arizona, rookie. He's going to be the wide receiver two there. Um, you know, Sam Bradford at quarterback, but then maybe Josh Rosen later on. Bradford's not horrible. He can possess the ball and get it done. You got Fitzgerald out there, um, Seals Jones, DJ's back. How do you approach a guy like Christian Kirk and his explosiveness? So I think Fitz is always going to take the the target share until he retires. The old man just won't go away. And really the, the skills just, he just keeps coming back every season. Um, 
I do like Kirk, though. I, I have him high in my dynasty rankings, and I think he's going to take the number two role in this offense. Um, so I think there's some upside here. And Bradford, we know, is a little bit more ball control. I, I think if they, they get fed up with him and Bradford or and, uh, Rosen gets in there, we see, may see him develop a little bit of rapport with Kirk, which will help you know both the rookies coming in together. I know that's a little bit of uh, you know fake news or you know me just trying to put a storyline there, but I think that is a thing. You know the rookies come in together and they're they're getting acclimated to being in the NFL at the same time, and we know Larry's not going to be around forever, so he's going to have to get comfortable throwing to somebody else eventually. No, I like that a lot. Uh, what are some other deep sleepers you're looking at? So we've hit a lot of them here, but um, just some other ones that I like. I think Dante Moncrief, always a nice red zone threat. The the injuries just kept piling up and keeping him off the field. But the Jags wide receiver core is pretty random. So I, I think you kind of pick one you like and take a shot late. And Moncrief has always shown a, a nose for the end zone. You know, the, the Jets didn't do much as far as additions go to talent, but they did add Terrell Pryor for basically free because he was awful last season. Mm-hmm. The guy has all the talent in the world. I don't know if he understands how to be a receiver, but, you know, if you're looking at 20-team drafts or something like that, you're, you could be worse off than Terrell Pryor at the very end. Uh, at least he has the the skills and has shown that he can put some good stats up there. Taylor Gabriel, another guy for the Bears. I know that I already mentioned the target share. I'm I'm a little hesitant on, but we know that Tyreek Hill did just fine in that offense, and I think that that's kind of the role that they have Gabriel in mind with uh, splitting uh, with Tariq Cohen there for Chicago. DJ Shark has crazy measurables, just fast as lightning, big receiver. Really like him. Antonio Callaway, we've has popped up in the news because of the <laughs> the uh, accusations. I'm it not going <laughs> to. It wasn't his. I, I just got my car. I have no idea where it came from. My buddy picked up the car. He dropped it off yeah. in the parking lot for me and, you know, left his, his weed in there. I don't know why it still smells so much <laughs> here. I, I have no idea, officer. But he does remind me a bit of Josh Gordon, just super talented kid. Which, if which part, on the field or <laughs> off the field? Both. Everything, everything, just super talented. But will he get the mental part right? You know, we're going to know pretty soon because if he screws up before he makes an impact on the field, he's not going to get the shots that Josh Gordon got. Mm-hmm. And uh, one last one here, going through, uh, we we highlighted Dak Prescott on our quarterback review. And just watching that tape, he had limited games because of injury, but I really liked what I saw from Bryce Butler Really aggressive, yeah. um, athletic guy. Always seems to be in the right spot. Really good in the you know the free tr- free drills when quarterback breaks down. So I think there's some opportunity for Bryce Butler in Arizona to maybe take over uh, that third role behind Kirk and, and Fitz. Yeah, Bryce Butler's a good call. I remember with, he was with Dallas last year when they were battling injuries and whatnot. On our DFS show, we use him as value a lot because he'd be like that third receiver, and he'd seem to produce when he had the chance. He just didn't have the chance enough, like you're saying. So that's that's a very interesting one to keep an eye on for sure. Well, yeah. we went over we went over about forty wide receivers there in about an hour, so that was pretty good. Um, 
we'll have to do this again sometime for sure, but why don't you let everybody know where they can find you again and what you have coming up over there at good old Razball, who we've been working with Rudy quite a bit. Uh, we have, for those that aren't paying attention, all of our articles that have players' names get linked to Razball, and we have all the NFL depth charts on our main page on Razball. So a little bit of a little partnership back and forth, but what do you got going on over there? Yeah, I'm at Ditka Sausage Pod on Twitter. Uh, my co-host is at Donkey Teeth eighty seven. I'll just go ahead and give him a plug. Uh, the podcast is Ditka Sausage and Fantasy Sports. We're over at Rasball. I'm writing football and baseball, so you can check out both of those sites. You know, we're always looking for players to profile. So if you have guys that you want, you're wanting somebody to do film review on, you're wanting somebody to profile these guys, go ahead and toss it to us on Twitter. Send us a DM. Uh, you can email us at Ditka Sausage and Fantasy Sports at gmail.com. And we're more than happy to, to take requests at, and look at some guys. Um, but other than that, just uh, continuing to work over at Razball. And it's draft season. I I just I actually finished two drafts today. I finished the uh, Dacula one, and I finished a uh, best ball. And then I'm I started a slow auction dynasty with uh, Roto One, uh, my co-host Donkey Teeth, and, and a few others. So that's going. Um, I don't know if you've ever done a slow auction, but that is my no. my new favorite format. You get. Everybody gets a number of nominations. We have two nominations per team, 14 teams. So right now there are 28 guys being auctioned. Awesome. Um, goes 12 hours. It resets to eight if anybody bids bids them up. You know, some of the prices have gotten a little out of hand there in this first round because you start looking at the board and you don't want to be left out of that first round talent. Yeah, I remember you guys did that for baseball, and it sounded very intriguing to me. Um, I'll have to check that out and see how it goes, maybe jump in the baseball one next year and. the uh, see what happens. But uh, yeah, everybody go check out all the stuff they got going there. Razzball, really good group of guys, really good stuff. As you can tell by listening, quite knowledgeable individuals, but uh, Brandon is always a pleasure to have you on the podcast and we will definitely have to do it again sometime, man. Yeah, man, absolutely. Anytime you need somebody to come on or, you know, just want to talk, give me a call. I'm happy to uh, chat baseball, football, whatever. One question real quick. I just dawned on me. You're a Chicago bears fan. Obviously, Jay Cutler. Are you watching Very Cavalry? No, I'm not. I'm not. You can, be, actually, honest. You can be honest. No one listens. To you. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not. I actually didn't even know that was a thing. Um, Jay Cutler is actually from just outside my hometown. So I've been following Jay Cutler since he was in high school. When he came to the Bears, I thought he was he was finally going to bring us a, a, a franchise quarterback. And I'm, I'm so disappointed that never worked out. Well, side note, not embarrassed. He steals that TV show. It's amazing. But um, I'll, I will I will definitely say it. But um, thanks for joining me, man. It was a pleasure, and we will do it again sometime. All right, man. Thanks. Everybody, this is Bench with Bubba, episode 116, deep dive into the fantasy wide receiver position with Brandon Myers. Catch you guys later.